A reading from the book of Joshua. Joshua instructs the people to follow the Lord's command and cross into the promised land on dry land through the Jordan River. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan. You shall still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that among you is the living God who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, while those flowing toward the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Paul recalls his tireless efforts to proclaim the gospel and gives thanks to the believers accepted that, and gives thanks that believers accepted his teaching as God's word. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also. How how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was towards you believers. As you know, we dealt with each of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you, pleading that you might live You might lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also constantly give thanks to God for this. And when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. The word of the Lord. 
the Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one on earth father, no one father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. It's interesting that I stumbled over that line with Father in it, since that's how I'm going to open my sermon. Um, I feel kind of odd um, preaching on this passage, Call No One Father on Earth, um, when my nickname around this place is all one word, Father Dan. Um, You know, so what does all of this mean? Jesus also talks about the the Pharisees who like to make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and I'm just about to complete a Ph.D. and get all of that wonderful academic regalia and, and parade around in it now and then. So how do we then talk about um, leadership in the church? What What is this saying to us about leadership? I was um, teaching up at St. Martin's, their Bible study was studying, is studying the book of Romans, and they'd kind of got hung up on, on what Paul is saying in Romans, and John Hall, the rector there, and I met somewhere, and he said, you know, they would be really interested to hear your perspective. You come and talk to them. And so he wanted me there um, two Tuesday mornings. Um, I got there, and it turns out they have four Bible studies, and they were all interested to hear me. So there were about 20 people in the room. I thought I was going to be talking to maybe five. And so I started um, with Leviticus and talked about sacrifice. I said, we have to understand what the Bible means by sacrifice before we can go to Paul. And and we got to the the end of that first Tuesday, um, and they're asking lots of questions and and sort of, you know, lockjaw only in reverse. Their their, uh, minds are blown. And one of them said to me as I was leaving, how come... No one ever taught us this before. How come we never see, have seen this, things this way? Um, you're the first person to do this. You're the most intelligent person I've met. <laughs> and I sort of responded, ah, oh, shucks, it was nothing. Um, and then driving away, thinking, no, that's not really fair, um, and decided um, when I went back to talk about that and to talk about being a gift and not just a gift that, that, you know, I can read things and understand them, but a gift that you all have given me. I've been here 19 years, and um, you all have paid me for 19 years, essentially, to study. 
I was sitting in my office one day, even before I started the PhD program, reading through Paul's letter to the Romans, thinking, I get paid to do this. Um, It's a gift. So what does it mean, then, um, for leadership in the church? Uh, Paul talks about the word of God coming among the Thessalonians with great power, and of course he talks about how he worked um, so that he wouldn't be a burden to them, you all pay me. Again, something I have a little, a little trouble figuring out. If it's been given to me, then it's my responsibility to pay it forward, to give it to others. Somebody said, wow, this is really exciting. Um, do we need to pay you something for this? And I said, no, 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 this, this is what I do for fun. Um, is is teaching these kinds of things. We're about to start the um, low-key pledge campaign um, that we're going to do. We're going to send out letters to you, um, invite you to make a commitment to the church, fill in a pledge card. But it dawns on me, maybe we ask the wrong question when we do our pledges. We ask you to make a commitment to the church. What if instead we asked you, what is your passion What is your commitment? What is it that if you were given the resources to do for the good of the world, you would do? For me, the answer is obvious. It's study. That's my passion. That's that's what I would do. That's what I've been given the opportunity to do. What is your commitment? What would you do, given all of the resources that you might need? What would you do for the world? Now, give that to God. Give that to the church. Think of how that pledge campaign would be different. Think of some of the things that have begun to happen around here, the prayer shawl ministry. Some people say, we can do that, this is really cool, and we've had some wonderful stories come out of that. A young boy who attends 8 o'clock, his friend's great-grandmother was sick, and he wanted to know if he could have a prayer shawl for her, by all means. Look Look at how that affects. Look at the the parish nurse ministry. This is people bringing their gifts and it being the right place at the right time and great stuff happening. So it's not that we shouldn't all have different gifts and different specialties and maybe even different statuses, but it's that this is supposed to be for what God is doing in the world. What is your commitment? If you had the resources to do what it is you wanted to do for the world, what would it be? And how do we then give that to God and to the church? That's what leadership in the church is supposed to look like. That's what brings the kingdom most effectively. Amen.